we come together to remember this morning. I seek for a palace that rests on the hill, but between us a stream lies sullen and still. I was touched by the words of that song. But we're, we're coming together to remember something as a group this morning. And there's a thought that keeps going through my mind. There's one phrase that kept echoing through my mind as I thought about this. And that is the phrase, in Christ alone. In Christ alone. It's not your significance. It's not gifts that you have. It's not your imagined qualifications or earning. It's not what we're together to remember this morning. When uh, someone, a sinner, brought a sacrifice to the preach, priest, the preach, priest examined it very carefully. He didn't examine the sinner. It was a foregone conclusion that the sinner was a sinner. That's why he was there. That's why he was there remembering. What he did was examine the offering very carefully to see if it was an offering without sin, without flaws, someone that could bridge the gap between where we were wanting to go. Todd read in Isaiah 53, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. (coughs) We come together a few times a year, to remember this. And the Bible gives us leeway on the amount of times. Some churches do it a little different. By the way, if you're here as, and you're not planning to take communion this morning, we're glad you're here. We appreciate your presence here. And you can worship with us. But we come together as a struggling people like generations before us did, like our parents did, we come together as a struggling people. And we seek answers for finances, for health, for relationships, for child raising, for occupation, for school, for politics, for our families. We, we seek answers. And some of you in this room are going through some very challenging times right now. And the things that we're remembering this morning have an influence or an effect on all the other things that we come worried about or thinking about or struggling with. First Corinthians says, Every time that you eat or drink this bread and drink, every time you eat 
this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death till he comes again. I have a couple songs that I was bouncing off of. Uh, also, uh, we're, we're blessed through songs. We worship through songs. And the songs that they sing were so, uh, were so meaningful this morning. And I appreciate Eric for organizing that. <coughs> but I was thinking of two songs that I'd like to uh, think about this morning just for a little bit. Uh, the one is in Christ alone. And the other one is how deep a father's love for us. And as I explored the, what the person had written as he thought about the subject that we're remembering here this morning, I was really blessed. And then I said, uh, who writes songs like this? And I went looking and here the same person our persons wrote both songs. And I was, I was blessed by that there. Stuart Townshed and the help of Keith Getty. And they didn't know each other, but they had a mutual friend. And they were at a meeting somewhere. And the mutual friend said, you two should get together. And you should, uh, you should talk because one of you writes music and one of you's writes verses that are very meaningful and the two of you should sit together. And so with that encouragement, they had a coffee together and not much happened. And uh, Stuart Townsend said, uh, or Keith Getty said, I, I write music, I'll send you some music that I have that I don't have words for. And Stuart said, great. And that was kind of the end of it. And a, a little while later, a CD came, and he wasn't expecting much of it. And he put the CD in. And the music, but without words, spoke to him. Uh, and you that are musically inclined can grasp that better than I. And he called the other individual up, and he said, This is a song about Jesus' life and death. That's what it is. And he wrote in Christ alone. Actually, how he had written it is, my hope is found in Christ alone. And he wrote the song. And he sent it to his uh, helper for what he thought. And he said, that's great, but I'd like to make one change. I'd like to say, instead of my hope is found in Christ alone... I would like to say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. And he made that little tweet. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fierce drought and storm. What height of love, what depth of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save, 
Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There is a ground, his, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world, by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he arose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, dear people. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he return or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand. It had to be somebody, uh, Stuart Townsend, Townend is from England. And I just somehow feel like somebody that wrote those verses had to have experienced a change that God has brought through him that can only come through Christ. He uh, became a Christian at 13, and his, I think his dad died when he was six, something like that there. And he also penned this. That was written in 02. This was written in 1995. How deep a father's love for us. How deep a father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. And wounds which mar the chosen one bring many a son to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know within my heart. His wound has paid my ransom. Jesus knows that we're a people that forget. And we go on with life and, and we're prone to wonder and we're prone to forget. And he designed this time that we, that we get together and remember it. And he wants us to remember and he wants us to review the details, to think about what it costs. And in just a few short minutes, we're going to take part of it. But he wants us to do it as thinking people. As remembering people. He wants us to remember the significance. Ponder each turn. And I can't bring you anything new this morning here. I can just encourage you to think about what you're doing this morning. But I, you know all the little turns and all the little details. But again... We encourage each other to remember. He wants us to remember the upper room, the garden. He wants us to remember the trials. There was 
six of them, three by the Jewish people where he was pronounced guilty and three by civil courts where he was announced innocent. He wants us to remember the, the beatings and the mockings and the cost that it was to him and to his father. <clears throat> Isaiah 50 says in first person, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off hair and I hid not my face from the shame and the spitting. Psalms, he's also talking, the plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. And the Bible is sometimes discreet or careful, and sometimes it's candid. And somehow I don't quite get the impact of it until you read between the lines or until you study it a little bit more of what it was that it cost him. And Isaiah 52 states it, but King James kind of shrouds it a little bit. It says, Many were astonished at the... His vestige was so marred more than any man, his form more than any of the sons of man. And in English, that's what it's saying is, but many were amazed when they saw him that were there. Many marveled and were amazed that they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he's a man. That was... That was the cost if you take the, the wrapping away and, and the, the discreetness away. And in that condition, they took him and they fastened him with nails to the cross. And they mocked him as he slowly died on the cross. And what he said from the cross was, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And what he said was, Truly, today to the thief you're going to be with me in paradise and he said it's finished it's an irony to me that the cross is a symbol of our freedom The, the pain that was connected to the cross is a symbol of our freedom. Vice President George Bush back in uh, the mid-90s, I believe it was, he was as vice president sent by the U.S. as uh, a representative from the United States for a funeral of Leonard Brezhnev. And Bush was deeply moved, he writes, 
by the silent protest that was carried out, out by Brezhnev's widow at the funeral as they all stood there in the home of atheism and in the home of unbelief and in a state uh, funeral of one who was in charge of all that and uh, and and moved that agenda forward just as the soldiers were stepping up to the coffin to, to close the lid just as their fingers touched the lid she stepped forward from the crowd and did something that was probably the biggest um, political most profound civil rights thing that anybody could do she stepped up to her husband and she looked down and she took her finger on his chest and she drew a cross the symbol of a cross the hope that she had that there was a Jesus who could save and then she stepped back and the soldiers closed the door there how about you this morning seriously do you believe in that God do you have faith in that God everybody in this room believes that there is a God What kind of God do you believe in this morning? One that died for you? I was so touched again by Isaiah 49 where he says, but Zion are, if you will this morning, but but Northwood's church. Zion in New Testament is, is the church. You say, the Lord has forsaken me My Lord hath forgotten me. And he talks in first person here again. He's saying, Can a woman forget a nursing child that she should not have compassion for the son of her womb? He asked that question to us this morning. And then he goes on and he says, Yea, she may forget, but I will never forget you. And then he steps back and he says, behold, and he says, see. And what he says is, I have graven thee upon my hands. Where where they put those nails through, that's your, your name on you. And he's saying, see, I will never forget. The last thought I have is hard for me to understand. Uh, We love our children. Uh, I noticed a news article this week uh, down in uh, Minneapolis. uh, I believe it was St. Paul, Woodbury, a suburb of St. Paul. There's a a girl, uh, a mother... Her name is Kate Swenson. 
She has two boys, Sawyer and Cooper. Cooper is uh, autistic. He's uh, nonverbal autistic. He's six years old. And uh, a week ago or so, they were down at a, a park. And it was a park called Madison's Park. It was actually built and uh, donated by parents of Madison, who was also an autistic child. It was a very safe place where children could play and where, uh, where you can take, especially uh, all children. But uh, she and her two children uh, went there frequently because she was uneasy out in public because so often it was difficult because of the autism and the mindset that the little child had. And uh, she writes, an unrelated thought, she writes how through this autistic child, their oldest, it was so difficult for them as a, as a husband and wife, and it just about separated them as they went on this roller coaster ride trying to trying to grapple with this in a lifetime of this. And they struggled with it. And then finally it was exactly that child that brought them closer than any marriage that they had ever anticipated or expected. It was God used that to bring them closer. They were at this park. And uh, her oldest one went up a sliding board and pushed a girl and the girl went down the slide and and screamed and the parents came over the dad and hollered at him and hollered at her and she apologized and she said I am so sorry he's autistic and he doesn't think like other people and the dad just kept screaming at her. He pushed my little girl. He came over and yelled at her before he went and checked on the girl. And he just kept it up and she went and gathered her two boys. And uh, then she saw the mom coming and before she got in the car to leave, she went over to the mom and said, I am so sorry. And he explained it to her. And the mom just screamed at her. What is the matter with you? So she went home. And her plea in in her pen was, can we never leave the house? What are we going to do? And I thought through the, the thing that happened there. The feelings of both parents. And we have a tendency to stick up for our children. We have this here parental inclination to reach out and steady the little ones that we know so much about, that we know inside and out, that that we know their weaknesses. Uh, we, We know their limitations. And we know they're belligerent. But they're our son. We know that they're not what they should be. But they're our son. And so we, we go to bat for them, don't we? Can you understand that there? 
Can you understand both sides of those parents down there? This this is what I this is what I don't understand. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. In my limited human capacity, I can't grasp that. When he saw his son and the suffering, and the Bible says, it pleased the Lord. It was his son. It was real emotions and real sacrifice being made here. I can't grasp the Father. I can't understand it in my current limitations as a human being. What all went into that decision? The little that I do know about it is that it took a love that is deeper and wider and higher than any of the other problems that we're facing. I'd like to to look at the thoughts again in that song. How deep a father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he could give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many a son to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. That's why the last verse. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, this morning we remember impress on each of us the cost and the pain and the love as we partake. Help us to understand in some measure In Christ alone, our only hope. Fill each of us here with this hope. We seek your blessing on this communion service. We do not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. 
but in Jesus' name, his death and his resurrection. Amen.